Hey everybody, this is Brandon Henderson. Welcome to Nomenclature. Uh, my guest today is Andy Singer. Uh, he's also known as Bearded Humor on Instagram. He is a really funny uh, Photoshop guy, guru, whatever you want to call it. And uh, he's also a stand-up comedian. He's a former police detective. He has the craziest adoption story I've ever heard in my entire life, which is not on this episode. We talked about it after we finished but it is something that we've talked about doing in a future episode. But uh, he chose the word lollygag, which was a really fun word to discuss and to research. And uh, I think that you'll find some of the history of it pretty interesting. Um, but we also talked about his son who has special needs and the challenge of dealing with coronavirus. And he's in New Jersey of all places. Um, we talked about his experiences with uh, the sort of Dave Chappelle, Donnell Rawlings, uh, Neil Brennan crew, that uh, he pals around with on a regular basis and is you know, sort of part of that entourage of people and some of the crazy stories he has there. One of the craziest things I think he said to me was that the very first time he ever performed stand-up was at Caroline's on Broadway opening for Donnell Rawlings, which uh, is a little bit more than I think I would be bold enough to, to bite off that early in the game, but man, uh, respect for taking a swing uh, at something like that and, uh, and not uh, immediately wanting to, uh, you know, shoot yourself in the face. Um, but uh, really, really great conversation. Just a super guy, decent guy, and uh, had a lot of fun. So take a listen. Hope you love it. And uh, let's, uh, let's do this thing. So much for being uh, on nomenclature. I really appreciate you taking the time, man. Again, like I said, thank you very much. It's it's always an honor to to, to be on things like this, uh, to talk with people that you've never talked to before, to learn new things, to share things, and that's what it's all about. Especially right now, too, just keeping entertained and hopefully entertaining people. Yeah, man. Uh, how how goes the apocalypse in your side of the world? You're you're in Jersey, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean. It, not bad enough with the apocalypse, but the apocalypse in Jersey is even even worse. Um, but uh, uh, I have a I have a special needs son, so we actually the start of flu season back in January, we actually started canceling some of his therapies and started hunkering down. And then as soon as I heard oh. word of this, so we I've been hunkered down for more than two months now. We've been quarantined for forever. I, I actually pulled my daughter out of school a week before they even shut her school just because we really can't take a chance of having it come into the house. So yeah. this is, uh, it's, it's, I think we're past the stir crazy point already and it's just, it's becoming the norm. It's, it's odd. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, man, I, I mean, I, wor I worry about it in, uh, you know, in any circumstance, but I'm sure the, the stress level has got a be even higher when you've got a situation like that, but it, it has sort of become normal now. And I, and in a lot of ways, like I was saying to my wife the other day, I was like, I kind of love it as much as I hate it. Like as much as I, you know, do feel cabin fever and do feel like I can't go anywhere and I want to like get some space sometimes or whatever. Um, I kind of also really love how quiet life has gotten. Um, it just everything's slowed down. Like I'm like, oh, maybe I'll read a book. Like, I'm yes. so bored. I'm so, you know, things are so boring or, or so quiet. Things have, you know, the things that matter have definitely risen to the top over a lot of other bullshit. I think that uh, the people normally get all worked up about. Yeah, so I kind of, I kind of really love it in a way. It's, it's this. This is a time of finding things out about yourself. Uh, that's important. Like I said, I, th I think I've been doing it because of the situation. I think I've been in this quarantine longer than, than most have. I got a couple of weeks on people and it's, it really is a learning process because like I said, in the beginning, I was taking everything in and researching it and it was good because I was, I was finding, you know, facts from fiction. Uh, yeah. And then, it, then you get to the point where it's like, okay, this is, this is really scary. And then you have to start backing away from social media and start backing away from it, even doing your own research on things. You, you really have to take a step back from it. And then you really have to start spending time on you. 
you know, yeah. just figuring out how, okay, this is the new norm. How am I going to get through it? Um, you know, and I'm sure like you too, a comedy of course is, is I think a savior, uh, right now in this house. Uh, we, we keep yeah. laughing. Uh, we keep watching comedy, you know, my wife and I, you know, most nights, as soon as, you know, everything finally settles down, we finally sit down, whatever time it is, we're completely burnt out. And it's just like, all right, we got to find a comedy. You know, you, you, we, we have to find a comedy because we have to laugh. You know, that, that's the most important thing. And with my son all day too, because well, he's a deaf mute, but he definitely picks up on the vibe in the house. Yeah. So if we're stressed out, he feels it and it, and it makes it hard for everyone in the house. Uh, my, my daughter too, you know, 13 years old, it's a tough time for her. You know, I mean, it's, you know, we, we try to talk about it as openly and as honestly as we can. Uh, I let her know back in the beginning when I saw it coming, I told her, I said, this is probably going to be a scary time, but I'd rather give you the information now than have you freaking out going, what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so it's, like I said, we've, we've kind of been ahead of it and it is kind of the norm um, and like I said, it's funny cause even like my daughter picks up, you know, like my son will see it. So if he starts seeing it, we got to get funny right away. We got to start doing slapstick comedy. We got to start doing silly things. Uh, my daughter will see it and she'll be just be like, Hey dad, you know, let's, let's go play some video games. You know, let's just yeah. sit down for an hour and just play some video games and just laugh at, at that. Uh, yeah. so, so we're, we're all looking out for each other. We're, le- we're all learning about ourselves. Um, as a family, I mean, you can still learn about each other, which we are, and we're all keeping an eye out on each other. And that's, that's, what's really important. Yeah. Which is, uh, which is a fantastic thing that you can learn that and you sort of recognize those moments when people are getting a little bit stressed and try to react to it. The thing that I keep thinking about too, is what's going to be the long-term effect of this? Um, especially with kids, you know, like my, I'm divorced and remarried and my ex-wife and I share custody, but my, um, my daughter sent me a a photo of herself the other day where she made uh, a whole bunch of, you know, homemade masks out of, you know, different things around the house, like paper towel and, you know, toilet paper and everything else. Plus, you know, they have the the real ones and uh, she was, you know, uh, doing a little fashion show with some pictures of them for me. (laughs) And, uh, I, uh, I just, you know, keep thinking like, what's going to be the long-term effect of that on her, for example, you know, she's 11 when she's, you know, 35, 40, 45 years old, you know, what are those things going to be for her that she sort of, you know, how she reacts to life because of this experience, you know, how is she going to sort of, you know, walk through life differently? And I've said this before, but it's like the the generation that went through the depression, you know, they never threw anything out. They, you know, could make anything out of nothing, you know, and uh, we're very content with being, uh, you know, home and with very few people and just having a conversation or playing cards or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, what's what's their version of this going to be, you know, of, of that kind of thing when they when they grow up? It's, it's kind of wild. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With, with that, with having like a special needs son, like, um, and all these people out there protesting this whole thing and like getting in big groups and, and saying that it's some sort of government power grab, like, have you had conversations with those kinds of people at all? Have you been lucky enough to just you know, stay it, away it, from it? It's interesting. Um, I have a lot of, I try to stay off of Facebook. I'm more on Instagram because I think Instagram is more fun. I actually have less personal friends on Instagram than I do. Facebook is pretty much all family and friends. Um, But a lot of people that I've known pretty much for, you know, 25, 30 years, post up some stuff that um, I don't, I don't want to say ignorant because it's a tough word because I know, I know right now it is a scary time and I know some people are just taking information in, not doing research uh, believing what they hear. It, it is, it's a very scary time. So, but some people are posting up some things and I was about to go at it with, with a, a, a very old friend the other day. And then another friend chimed in and, and he really, you know, try, tried to put this person in place with, you know, like, like, like what you said, think of other people. Don't just think of yourself. Don't just think of, you know, what you have going on. Think of other people. And, and they kind of really still didn't get it. Uh, I sent him an email later and I thanked him and he knows, you know, he knows my situation. 
people. And he said, no, he says, he says, you have enough on your plate. Don't get into it because you know, that's, that's what people are looking for now. Some people just want to, they have nothing better to do than sit around their house and have the back and forth all day. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm staying out of that. And, and again, um, you know, there, everybody's going to have a different take on this. Everybody's going to have a different view on this. Like I said, my, my view is different knowing that my son doesn't have an immune system that if it comes into this house, it could be absolutely horrific. Um, yeah. I also, I live in my mother-in-law's house. Uh, she's an elderly person. Uh, if it comes in this house, she could probably be in bad shape. My, my wife suffers severe asthma. I don't know how it would affect her. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think I'm in good health, but you know, again, this thing is so all over the place. You don't know how, so we're really doing everything above and beyond almost, uh, to, 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 to keep safe. Yeah. Uh, see, and that's the thing is you just don't know how it's going to affect you. You know that you've got people that might be more at risk, but you know, the healthiest of people have been hit by this and have yep. died from this. So just, you, know, you just don't know. I mean, some people, they don't even know that they have it and others, it just completely takes them out. And it's just, that's the scary part about it. Um, it- yeah. You know, and I, I've known a couple of people. I've known a couple and of people. I, I totally. That, that have gotten it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know quite a few people that have gotten it. And some, uh, one or two people are like seriously, like really, really bad. Uh, like 10 days of not even knowing what was going on in their life. Making, you know, basically waking up to, uh, you know, an amazement. Uh, the comedian, Michael Yo, I'm, I'm friends with him. Uh, his story is amazing. You, you can yeah. see that. Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and like, I, you know, when I heard about it, I was like, Oh my God, I had no idea. And then I reached out to him, you know, we chatted a little bit and it was like, Oh my, you know, unbelievably scary. And, and again, here's a healthy guy. He was in New York uh, the week before he got it. And he was actually doing a show. My wife and I were going to go. He was actually there with another friend of ours. But at that time we were, it was kind of on the horizon. We were still like, no, I don't think so. So we kind of backed out at the last second. Uh, but you know, yeah. it's scary. And then, and then I know people that have pretty much had it, you know, I know somebody that, that was tested and found out that they had it. They didn't even know that they had it. So it's, yeah. it, it runs the gamut of very mild to worst case scenario. And, and I do know a few people that have passed from it too. You know, it's, it's scary, very scary. Yeah. Yeah. And, and these people that are, you know, choosing, I mean, choosing slash have you know, they have to be in those situations, you know, as uh, emergency workers and, you know, our next door, next door neighbors are, um, you know, he's a, he's a firefighter and paramedic and she's a nurse. And so both of them, you know, are just in the middle of it constantly. And we lost a, uh, we lost a fireman here in town. We lost an EMT here in town. I'm a retired uh, police detective and it's, yeah. it's absolutely horrifying because we have, there's a, a page on Facebook just for all the members of the department, active and retired. And it's like every day um, I see at least anywhere from, I would say, three to a dozen people post up, okay, I got my results back. I'm positive. I last worked on this date. This is where I was. This is who I was. And it's just like, oh, my God. Like, that's all yeah. I see. And again, that's why I'm trying to almost stay off of Facebook because it's so just like – wow, this is so many people have. Yeah. It's, it's the situation where, and then you just see it everywhere. Like the more that you think about it, read about it. It's like you buy a, you buy a Jetta. Cause of course that would be my, my dream car. Um, <laughs> so you buy, you buy a Jetta and then you see a Jetta everywhere, right? Like yeah. the moment you have one, they're, they're all over the road. Yeah. Um, it's the same sort of thing. I, t- I feel like too, if you are reading about it and you're looking at it constantly, it's going to, you're going to feel like it's crawling all over your skin and, and everybody's infected and, and it's uh, and it's scary. So it's, it's a double-edged sword. You know, you've got to be safe and smart and respectful, but also, you know, keep your sanity yes. a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, um, that's like I said, I, I did, I think last week or, or two weeks ago, I remember there was one day, I think my wife actually suggested it. She's like, why don't you put the phone down for a day? And I said, yeah. you know what, a good idea. And let me tell you, that was the, that was the turning point for me of possibly losing what little sanity I have left was that. Because yeah. it was like, and, and now I just a little bit in the morning, a little bit midday and a little bit at night just to get a night, just to keep up with what's going on. But that's it. That's yeah. otherwise it's comedy. It's trying to, you know, keep laughing and, and keep it light and just keep it fun. 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a couple of days ago that happened sort of on accident. Like my wife and I just, uh, we we have a lot of fun together. She's, there's no one in the world I would rather be locked in a, a cell with. We just, we don't have to do anything to have a really great time together. We can just chat about anything for hours and hours. And um, we ended up just kind of having this amazing day and we uh, ended up watching like, old 90s music videos for like seven hours straight just going back and forth and and uh you know went to bed and i got up the next day and i realized i hadn't even checked the news i hadn't looked yeah. at anything and it was it was it was amazing something that you know yeah. was definitely definitely needed um but yeah i uh i think just everybody's you know freaked out and scared and people are losing jobs and that yeah. pushes against you know wanting to stay safe but also you know, people start congregating, uh, and it's so disrespectful. I think to those people, like you're saying, like police officers and firefighters and uh, uh, doctors and all these people that are on the front lines of this that are risking their lives to just sort of be so flippant about it. You know, really, yeah. really makes me not happy. Oh but, yeah, because um, I feel like so many of those people aren't. Uh, I mean, certainly, so many people have been affected by layoffs and stuff. I mean. I mean, my wife and I have been affected by uh, by that. And so that's really hard and I get that. Um, but I feel like a lot of these people are like, you know, the joke now obviously is, you know, I need a haircut yeah, uh, or, or my, uh, uh, my lawn isn't green. What am yeah. I supposed to do not to not get to fertilizer for my lawn? You know, that sort of stuff is when it becomes really uh, just, it feels so selfish and crazy yeah. to me. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's just hard for a lot of people who are just stuck in their routine, their ways. They're like, "What do you mean I can't do?" The, you know, it's yes, yeah. it, it, it becomes different. I mean, going back to to the police thing, you know, that was that's one of the funniest jokes amongst cops is like when you, when you do a road job and you have a road closed and you're sitting there with a police car blocking the road with the lights on, and people drive up and they go, um, "I have to get through." Well, you can go around, but but this is the way I go every day. Well, today you're going to have to, like, why can't I get through? Well, maybe because there's a tree across it or the entire road is dug up or, and, and that's, yeah. people just get stuck in routine and they really, it's, it's, it's hard for people to, what do you mean? I can't do that anymore. What, why, why can't I do that? You know, it's, yeah. I need that. That's, it's all they know. Yeah. Yeah. That resistance to, to change is, uh, is a tough one. I mean, it's like, it comes with you know, belief systems and it comes with political ideology. I mean, I think that's the problem, right? Cause we're all yeah. on our, we're all on our teams. You know, we've got our jerseys on, we've got our belief system, whatever it might be. That's, you know, quote unquote, right or wrong or true or false. Yeah. And man, you I mean, you see that, right. You know, people just, oh, yeah. you, you could, you could hold every amount of proof in front of their face that says otherwise to what they currently believe. And it will not matter. It won't. It won't well, change it, what they believe, you know. It was a truly, I mean, it was a horrible story, but again, there's like some, you know, it's, it's, it's weird about the, what was it, the pastor down south somewhere. Yeah. Congregation, and then he ended up dying from it, and it's just like, yeah. oof, like. Uh, well, it was the, there was the, uh, I don't know how he's doing, so I hope, you know, but the, um, was it the Israeli health minister? Did you hear about him? He said. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that it was uh that's it was a yeah. consequence of homosexuality that god was cursing people and then he got it and i mean he got it it's you know, people, explain explain that to your wife i guess you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but again it's, it's hard for people to put their their beliefs and their you know their their daily routines behind it and just realize wait a second this is this is something, you know, like, like you were talking about with, with, with your daughter before, like I was talking with my daughter, this is going to be history forever. What is going on yep. right now? This is just a little blip. This isn't just a little something. This is going to be a huge portion of the history book in the future that, you know, and what we're doing is, is, is going to be part of history. So, you know, we really, they're either going to look back and laugh at us and go, Oh my God, what a bunch of idiots. Or they're going to say, all right, they, they, they figured something out or they got something right. I, you know, I, I'm hoping that that's what history says, that not that, oh, my God, they blew it so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I think it's going to be, uh, hopefully it's at least both because we've, yes. at this point, we've, we've sure, yeah. certainly like fucked some things up yeah. uh, right now. Um, but hopefully we come out on the other side. But it, it's just such the global scale of this, I think is what's craziest right it's just 
everywhere. It's yeah, like one one person and the entire world is being touched by it. That's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And I uh you know, speaking of Facebook, I try to avoid it as much as possible too. I, I've done a lot of the like uh, rage writing on Facebook <laughs> and then and then deleting what I was gonna say because it and never actually posting it because I it, it's never gonna be beneficial. Yeah. But I, I saw somebody post something about how how the the media has has you know posted or, or written like a billion plus stories about COVID and compared it to like SARS and and other past you know illnesses or whatever and they, they were mm-hmm. much much lower and you know kind of doing that as saying that this is proof that the media is is, is fear mongering. Now I don't disagree that the media will fear fear monger. They certainly mm-hmm. will. Um, however, um, you know, comparing it to SARS or something like like the level of uh, you know, again sort of global effect that this has compared to anything else in the past kind of warrants a whole shit ton of of articles and research and discussion. Yeah. Um, so just things like that where I just want to be like you know maybe pull back for a second, think about what you're saying yeah. before you put it out there. And it might make some sense, uh, or it might you might see it in a different way, but um, it's all bananas. That's all I can say. I, I, I uh, think people are starting to see more. I mean, I had a friend way back, probably over a month ago, you know, a- after everybody wasn't supposed to be going out. They were in the gym one day, and they posted the pictures. They're at the gym. They're all sweaty, and they're like, this isn't going to stop me. I got no mask, you know, blah, 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 blah. Two weeks later, that person posted up, uh, guess who's got it? And it was like, oh, it was like, I was like, I wanted it. And I was just like, no, I'm just, I'm glad. And, and they're doing fine. They made a full recovery, but they were in pretty yeah. bad shape there too. But again, you know, they, you know, they went from, they were one of those, this is BS. This is ridiculous. Live your life. Nobody's going to stop me. You, nothing is going to stop me to guess who's got it. Now all of their yeah. posts are, okay, we have to watch out for each other. I was wrong. I was wrong a month ago. We have yeah. to, we really, this is horrible because now they, I think they had a family member that just passed. So, you know, Man. some people are seeing it once it affects them. Per- until it affects somebody personally, I think a lot of people just aren't going to get it. Yeah, which is the unfortunate thing, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, you're happy that, that maybe it's, it's changed some thought process, but man, it, it, for that to happen, in order for that change to, ha- to come about is obviously... Uh, not ideal to say the least. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, let's let's talk about uh, some other stuff here. So that uh, we'll shift it. I I always sure. like to um, do a little bit of research on the person's name that I'm talking to, as well as their word that they've chosen. Mm-hmm. So uh, you chose uh, lollygagger or lollygag, and we'll we'll get to that in a second. But first. Um, I did a little bit of research on Andrew Singer on the, on uh, the first and last name, uh, just cause I think it's fun and you probably already know all of this stuff, but, uh, uh, Singer, uh, just so you know, is the 6,166th most common name in the world. <laughs> so I don't know what, I don't know if that's middle of the pack and I have no idea. So just so you, you know, you can write that down, I'm sure and think about it a lot. Um, and, uh, it's a, it's, it's just a pretty straightforward name. I mean, it's, uh, uh, Ashkenazic and it basically means singer or poet. Yeah. So, uh, that's, it's nice. It didn't get, uh, you know, chewed up and bastardized like most people's names. I feel like over time. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then this, I'm sure comes as no surprise that Andrew basically is just Greek for manly. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you know this? Uh, I, I believe that I've heard that before, and I think it always just makes me laugh. That's <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it just straight up is like, it just basically means man, manly, or like brave warrior kind of thing. And I think with the, uh, the, with the, the massive beard, this is appropriate. <laughs> I, I feel like. I, I'll take it, I guess. It's, uh... <laughs> you're carrying the name well. Yeah, um, I get so, so basically, you're, you're a manly singer, is yes, what I... it, it comes down to. So that's exciting for you. Um, but lollygag, this was, uh, this is actually really interesting. When you first mentioned it, I was, uh, I was thinking, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find much. Uh, and I started looking at it and there wasn't a ton that I could find, uh, off the top about its origin other than it was, uh, you know, 
somewhere around mid 19th century uh, that the word is assumed to have come about, but they don't really know an origin. It's it, people kind of think it's uh, uh, kind of just an onomatopoeia kind of a thing. Like it, okay. it, it is like it sounds, but um, as I read a little bit more, I found like a really good uh, article written by some Oxford dude um, about the origin of the word. So I thought this, I got, I got some interesting things, I think. So originally in like the mid 19th century, uh, it meant like, like you were fooling around like sexually. Like okay. Stop, uh, stop lollygagging, stop uh, necking or whatever. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like yeah, it'd be a guy, uh, you know, on a, on a, on a ship somewhere. Was the example that was used? Like they would, you know, the ship captain would be yelling, yelling at the sailors to stop uh, lollygagging with a couple of women that were, uh, you know, on board somewhere. Um, <laughs> so that's that's an interesting, uh, you know, first off, that sort of origin I'd never heard. Yeah, I never that, heard that. Right. Yeah. So that connection, uh, th that's something you can start using um, when uh, you know your your daughter starts dating if she hasn't already. Since you can yell and. Tell her no lollygagging. No lollygagging. Um, but uh, <laughs> my favorite part of, of what I found, so uh, and I, I, it gets really nerdy here, but um, you've got lol, so you've got uh, you know a vowel with two consonants on, on the sides, and then you've got gag, again, with a vowel and two consonants on the sides. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that this Oxford guy says, and I had to write it down, he said, words of this structure tend to designate insignificant objects. And then the objects that he used specifically, he lists out, he says, like, for example, uh, poop, pip, boob, bib, gig, dud, dude, tit and tat. Now, I would just personally like to say, while poop might be an insignificant object, I feel like boob, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah. He, he and he made like made no uh, no illusion anything else. Just boob and 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 tit is a, they're apparently very insignificant things to Mr. Oxford here. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm always fascinated by structure. Do you ever think about when you look at words? Uh, I, I have this conversation with my wife sometimes. When when I was a uh, a kid, I still do this uh, with numbers. I will I think about them like shapes. Like if I'm adding a six and a four, I will try to like turn the four over and like make it fit into a six. Does that sound in insane? Um, and then, no, and, just like a, well, almost like a Tetris type thing? Yeah, exactly. And then I'm like, it, and for some reason, even though it doesn't, that, that those shapes wouldn't look like a 10, I'm like, oh, now it's complete. It's 10, six plus four. <laughs> So that's your way. And, and I've heard that before that some people, you know, see things as numbers and stuff like, you know, it's so that, 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 that's very interesting. That's. Huh. Yeah. Well, and that's what I think about with this word is, you know, if it's kind of an onomatopoeia kind of, I think, I think it's more maybe with its original meaning because lol meant uh, or, or means tongue. So sort of like a, like a tongue wag, like a, you know, and then obviously like it's, it's transitioned into its meaning that we think of now as kind of like a lazy, uh, you know, person or somebody that's, uh, you know, not focused or they're, they're wasting time or whatever, a lollygag. Yeah, a lollygag. Um, but I, I think about it with like how it looks too. Like, is there a visual, and I need to look this, is there like a, a visual version of, of an onomatopoeia? Is that... Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like you can look at a word yeah. and be like, oh, it, not even its sound. It looks like the thing it's describing. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, that, that's, uh, hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it, to, to me, it's, it's, it's just a, a fun word. Um, yeah. Yeah. Why, and, why, why originally did you, why was that the word that kind of sort of came to mind? I, when, when you asked for words, I, I went to like random word generator and I got a bunch of yeah. random words and I was just like, they were all boring. They were all, I, you know, just random, whatever. And then I said, let, let me do a fun word generator. And uh, I think some, something came up with like 30 fun words and lollygag was like the third or the fourth with it. And it just, it made me chuckle. Uh, I'm sure, you know, too, sometimes like when you're writing jokes, you know, you're working on things. You may have it, but sometimes if you can just replace one word 
with a word that some, sometimes just a word can make the audience chuckle or make them, oh, you know, for it, sure. It's, so it's, it's to, to me, I always look for different words. I try to use different words um, in, in sentences. I try to never, if, if I'm working on a set uh, and no matter how many jokes are in it, I try to never use the same word twice, you know, other than of course, like the basics, but if there's going to be like an expressive, you know, word involved there, I'll try not to use it again. I'll try to only use it once to, to see how that hits the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so, such an interesting thing. It's, and it's 100% true. It, it makes me think of, um, makes me think of uh, Seinfeld and why he, he doesn't curse. You, mm-hmm. you heard him talk about this where he said, uh, he told some joke and I can't remember what the joke was, but he, he used the word fuck in it and it, it worked really well. And then he tried it again the very next night without fuck and it didn't work. Yeah. And he, he hated the idea that it was, uh, it had to sort of stand on, on the curse word to work somehow. Yeah. Um, which is why he pulled it out. I don't, I don't personally necessarily agree with the idea behind that. Cause it's just, it's a word just like any other, right? So if that yes. inclusion of that word makes it work, why, you know, it's, it's no different than if the word was fuck or if the word was cat, if cat makes yeah. it work better than without the word cat, then use it. And if it works better with fuck and then without it, then use well, that. I, yeah, exactly. I think that goes to who you are too. I mean, I don't know if, if Jerry's a cursor or not. I mean, I, I, I curse like a sailor. I mean, yeah. My daughter already curses around the house and I'm okay with it. Just don't do it in public. I mean, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's, it's part of my vocabulary. So, so yes, I'm I, I use it in, in my, uh, in, in my comedy um, because I'm yeah. comfortable. You know, I use words that I'm comfortable with. And like I said, words that are going to just get a, get a chuckle, you know, there are certain, and names too. There are certain, you know, you may have a story about, you know, a friend, but maybe you don't use his name. Maybe you change the name to a more fun name. You know, it's right. That, that's it. I, I even read a book once about that too, that explains about how certain key words can really just make a joke or, 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 you know, break it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I, I think all the time about, and that, that's the thing too, is I usually, when I think about a bit, I'm thinking about tightening in it. And, and when I think about it that way, I think about it being shorter usually. Right? Like I, I have like this, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just going to say, I, I think I, um, I think I got to that point just, just fairly recently too, where I was like, wow, these, these are too long. And it's like, okay, yeah. can I, can I take these two or three sentences and cut it down? And um, like, I remember uh, it, was, it was about a month or two ago, I was watching one of the, one of the Bill Burr uh, comedy standups. And I realized yeah. that he almost does, it's almost a sentence, a joke a sentence it's 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 just like oh my god every sentence he says is pretty much a joke yeah you know there isn't much other story there isn't much other fill other than oh my god almost every sentence is it has a setup it has a you know that has a punchline it it's like wow yeah. like how do, you do that whereas if i'll have a bunch of sentences together creating the whole joke and then the punchline at the end it's like okay you know how do i shorten it yeah yeah, there's no fat on it at all. Yes, and and, and the thing with with like a, a like Bill Burr, for example, that I you know obviously an amazing comedian, one of the greats, um, is the way he does it is so conversational that you would if you weren't looking at it like you like you had, you would just think he's just talking and it's just this conversation. He's telling you the story. You wouldn't necessarily see the the structure. It's like a it's like a sentence map. Remember doing sentence maps? You know, you yes. Break out the noun and the verb and all that garbage. Uh, it, you know, you could you could do that with this with this comedy, but it's cloaked. You know, yeah. like you say, there's n- no word is out of place. Like it's all the way it's supposed to be, and it's because of all the time obviously spent at, at crafting it, and making it work. But you've got someone like that, and then you've got like an Anthony Jeselnik, which oh, is like, every, it, it's just a, oh. <laughs> yes, it's a punch in the nuts, it's, perfect joke, and then next joke, and then next joke, but, you know, you can see and hear, yeah. That's the one thing, which I, let me interrupt you, because that's one thing I always say no, about Jeselnik 
when he hits you, you get hit and you're like, oh my God. But then he is the best at, you think, okay, that's the joke. Wait a second. Then he hits you with what you thought was the final line. No, now you get the final line. That comes from so far of, so far out of left field. I mean, I don't know if you do it, but a lot of times if you're listening to a comedian or comedy, do you try to put to, okay, where are they going? Where are they going? Where are they? I have never once been able to figure out where Jesselnick is going with his. Not once. Oh, ab- absolutely. And that's, that's what makes him so funny is like he yeah. can just let it hang in the air and you think you know. Yeah. And like he'll do this left turn. It's like, uh, <laughs> it was like when Chappelle did the, um, uh, like kicked her in the pussy thing, right? Oh, Where God. he gives <laughs> he gives the the punchline. He tells you he this is a punchline, and he's he's gonna write this joke for it. It's gonna be <laughs> funny, and then just goes into this whole other thing, and you're like, why why did he even really say that? And then just ties it all in. And after he does it, you can you can look back and be like, oh man, yeah, I saw that. I could see what he was doing, but in the moment, you had no, no idea it was coming. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, you know, I mean, I, if you know, uh, pretty much my best friend, my brother is Donnell Rawlings. Um, so yes. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to spend a lot, of, a ton of time with Donnell and with Dave. And let me tell That's you, amazing. there's absolutely nothing. And I mean, last night they had the, the comedy store benefit was on last night. Yep. And they had, yep. it was Neil Brennan, Bill Burr, uh, Donnell and Dave. And to sit there and to watch, just to watch Dave and Donnell go back and forth, to see that there last night, me and my wife were, we were, because it brought us back to, to, to the times that we do spend with Dave, with, with Team Chappelle. Um, to, to be able to actually, to see the last night was one thing, but you don't know the feeling of standing in a room, having Dave and Donnell standing in front of you and having the two of them go back. I mean, you're talking comedy gods. Uh, to I see can't. them to see them drop each other to, I've seen them, they drop each other to the knees. Like they'll go to one knee slapping the floor. <laughs> you get to the point where you're not even laughing anymore. You're just focusing on breathing because it's becoming that hard just to breathe. It's genius. It is just, I mean, like I said, I am honored beyond honored to be able to see that firsthand. And, and, and like this morning too, I mean, like uh, after, after the show last night, I was going back and forth with Donnell. And then this morning he calls me, I mean, to me, it's, I mean, I always, who am I? You know, who, who, who are we? Yeah. You know, how do you get these connections? How do you have friends like that? How do you get to be a part of that? And I guess I'm funny. Uh, I mean, Donnell constantly reminds me and tells me, you know, who I am. I consider myself, okay, I consider myself funny. Do I consider myself that level? Absolutely not. But man, I enjoy every single moment of it because it's, it, it's, it, 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 it's it's beyond the velvet rope and that's what it is yes not what he gets to see what's behind you know what's behind the curtain i get to see what's behind the curtain and and to realize too when you're dealing with comedians i mean you're like you know we all deal with our open mic friends and they're all crazy and we all know you know a couple of mainstream comedians but when you get to be around it and you get to see people like that the first a lot of people always ask how's donnell how's donnell what you see on stage with Donnell is exactly what you get off stage with Donnell. Yeah. He always on. It is, it is some of the nights, I mean, you get home and your chest just hurts. Your, you get up the next day, your face just hurts because you've yeah. just been laughing the entire time. It's just, it's one constant bit. It never stops. It, it's this crazy, you know, alternate universe, other level of, skill set that's and I, and I think especially that group you know that that Chappelle group oh. um with Donnell and Chappelle and I I you know I did a show with with Mo Ammer a couple months oh, back Mo's amazing and, you know, he I mean I have never seen anything like that before like you know and I've seen I you know I've oh. seen incredible comedians you know I've 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 had I've had the opportunity to you know, quote unquote, sit at the feet of uh, some pretty amazing people. But man, when, it, and I feel like it, it's, it's all part of that uh, sort of Chappelle world. I feel like all those guys, you know, uh, from, you know, Neil Brennan to, to Burr to Donnell to any of these guys like that sort of live in that space. Um, we did two shows. Uh, and I think honestly, Mo probably did 
<laughs> uh, 10 minutes of actual bits and then like 18 hours of just fucking around. And it was the funniest goddamn thing I have ever seen. Yeah. The second show, we started at like 9.30ish, I think, 10. And he was on stage uh, until like 3 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and just, that's a day thing. Yeah, that's... that's... Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't a, like, you know, let's see how far I can go. It was just like he was genuinely having such a great time. And everyone in the audience was. And he's talking to people. And it wasn't... It didn't feel like crowd work at all. He was just having conversations with people. And then it would just become this uproarious, like just hilarious thing that would just came out of kind of nowhere from this, you know, conversations or observations. And, you know, he made fun of me, which I did, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it was amazing. It's just this thing that I was like, man, God, I, could I ever even get into that headspace? I don't, I don't know if I could. Yeah, now Mo Mo was absolutely amazing, and, and again, I think it comes from you know it's 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 like what they call Team Chappelle, uh, and, yeah. and it's it's just it's surrounded with people. The energy, the vibe, the love is is just it's it's all next level. I mean, it, it really is just being in being in the the room of people. Like I said, hashtag Team Chappelle as absolutely amazing um they feed off of each other they they learn from each other and like i said i mean i it, it took me a long time uh donnell used to yell at me because a lot of times like i would go to these things and i would just sit in the corner you know it was like there was like one time we were at this crazy show and quest love was in front of me and he turned around and he was like hey can you, can you see over my afro i'm like your quest love i'm fine don't don't worry about it and, and, I, and I was like no this is you're part of this family just be part of the family. Just get into the conversations. Just go with it. And once I yeah. started doing that, and, and, and I'm amazed at the people that I can actually call friends and family now, is unbelievable. But that's what it is. It's, they all feed off of each other. They all, they all think the same. They all joke the same. There's no limits. That's the thing. When you're, yeah. when you're with them, I mean, I, I know Dave sometimes gets a little bit refined and I know Donnell does too certain shows because you don't want something being taken out of context. You don't want something being recorded. You don't want, right. But when, when it's just them, Oh my God, there are no holes barred. And it is some of the most <laughs> unbelievable stuff that you can imagine. And, and I, and like I said, I'm learning it. And I've been asking Donnell for years Give me some advice. Give me some. And he would, he, he would constantly push me, uh, get up on stage, get up on stage. You're funny. You get up on stage. And I'm like, well, yeah. can I run? Something? No, I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to know. The first time I ever got on stage was I opened for him at Caroline's on Broadway a couple of years ago. And I said to him, I said, oh my do, God. You, do you, do you want to hear what I'm going to say? Nope. I said, you don't even want it. He goes, nope. He goes, get up there. And even after that, like afterwards, like how did I, he goes, I said, how did I do? He goes, how do you think you did? I was just like, God damn it, give me some. And yeah. he goes, no. It was after a couple more times and a bunch of open mic things and then finally doing a couple more shows. It was another time at Caroline's. After I got off, I've never seen Donnell like this in my life. He walked up to me, serious faced. And we've had a couple of serious life conversations before. Dead serious. He was, he was about to go on. Dead serious. He pins me against the wall. And he was just like, you are one of the most animated people. He goes, how much time do I spend at your house? with your family, with your son. He goes, you are one of the most animated people I've ever seen. He goes, you just stood on that state stage for six minutes and held the fucking microphone. He goes, who the hell's that? And he walked away from yeah, me. Yeah. He, gave me he, he gave me a couple of other pointers that he finally gave me because he said, I think the most honest thing about stand-up that he did give me pointers all along and I never listened to him was he said, the stage teaches you all you need to know. Yeah. That's it. You don't need to know anything when you get up there and when you bomb, when you do good, when you kill, that's where you take your points from. He, he gave me a couple of points about my set that night, what to close with, what to do. But, and then, and then after that set, I was, I was like, I was like, Oh my God, he just yelled at me right at side stage. Caroline's after I just went up there and I just put everything I had into it. And at first I was pissed. I was about to go back to the green room and smoke some weed. And I said, no, I walked and I went to the back of Caroline's and I stood at the back of Caroline's over the DJ booth and I watched Donnell Rollins for the next hour. And when I tell you his eyebrows moved more times in that hour than I do in a year. And I was just like, okay, 
I, I forgot how powerful his, just his body game and his face game were. You know, I, I know the jokes. Yeah. I, know, I know this stuff. And that's the thing too with Donnell. He never tells the same joke twice. They evolve, they change. Uh, so sometimes I'll, I'll be like, okay, he's doing this one. And it'll, I'll be like, what the hell? Where did that come from? Like, <laughs> you, you, don't, yeah. you don't get up there and do the same joke. And you just said a key word when you were talking about Mo. And this is the one piece of advice that Donnell gave me that to this day, no matter what stage I get on, whether there's five people or, or 50 or whatever, have a conversation with the audience. That's, that's yep. all. That's the most important thing. Don't get up there and memorize and oh, what came next or, what was it? or wait a second. It was, hold on. Get up there, know the premise, talk to the audience, tell them yep. your story. Let they, and when they believe you, when they know that you're being honest and you're just talking to them, that's what, and, that, and that's exactly like what Mo, what Dave, what Donnell do. They can get up there and they can stay up there for hours just having a conversation. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's, that, uh, that conversation is something that like I aspire to get, you know, yes. or aspire to sort of get to is being able to talk with the audience and you know, there's a, there's a power dynamic there. I mean, there's one, there's a person with a microphone and then there's a group of people who aren't supposed to speak, but there's still a, that back and forth. And I love, you know, there's this, this elevated sense and, and not, not ever getting, I mean, everybody gets pissed by some heckler or whatever, but I feel like those guys, you know, somebody says something and they just roll with it. It doesn't bother them. They, they move with it and make it part of the, the show. And it, it just elevates the whole thing. Um, but those, you know, sort of like, uh, I don't know. I don't think any comedian wants to be a mentor necessarily. You know what I mean? I feel like, you know, to what like Don L saying to you or, or not saying, you know, you're asking advice and, you're, and he's like, just get up, get up on stage because yeah. you, you can give tips for sure, but you give too much and then you're just recreating yourself. They're just going to do what you think is funny. Exactly. Instead of having you create what your own thing is. And, you know, the really great, I think, comedy mentors, whatever they might be, are the ones that sort of understand that. Give you some, you know, give you some guardrails, you know, willing to give you a little bit of tip here and there, but mostly just like get your ass up there and be, you know, figure out who you are. Exactly. Um, exactly. I, I can't know. get up there and I, I can't be what Donnell has learned in 25, 30 years. I have right. to get up there and what what andy is learning you know in in just a couple of years that that's that's what i have to be and that's important yeah yeah and i, I think you know i've had a couple of really amazing uh pieces of advice that people have given i think the best thing or you know best things for me are one being on stage two want like you said watching somebody on stage like when you stood back there by the dj and you watched him um but also you like you know one of the best pieces of advice i ever had too was like um a local comedian uh here um he's he's sort of uh, spreads his time out between here and connecticut a guy named rodney norman he looks like uh like jesus and god on meth a little bit he's got long white hair and a big beard i, I said to him today I was like you look uh simultaneously on death's door but also like a like a virgin like he's never had sex before he's just got like he's got an innocence on his face um but i was uh going through my divorce and so just sort of mad and in a really like negative uh sort of headspace and i was getting on stage and like just getting angry like i mm -hmm. hated everybody before i even got on the stage i hated the audience you know i just yeah. be really pissed and i'd get up and and it wouldn't be funny. I would just get up and like get angry and tell everyone how stupid they are. Yeah. And uh, I got off stage and I, I was said to Rodney, I was like, dude, I, I, I can't, I, I can't be funny right now. Like I can't, I can't write. I try to write stuff and just comes out as like, you know, angry diatribe or whatever. And uh, I was like, I can't write about anything that's going on right now. And he said, uh, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from him, he said to, uh, take whatever frustration you're, you're, you have and write about something that you don't have any feelings about. Hmm. Like focus, like write yeah. about fucking spatulas, like write yes. about and something that is not connected to any of the pain or frustration that you're feeling and 
that was some of the best. I, I went home that night and I just started writing and I wrote tons of these jokes about things that I would have never written about before because mm-hmm. generally my, my act you know, tends to be somewhat personal sometimes. Um, but I just started writing about whatever and I was able to find what was funny um, and sort of channel that frustration into it somehow. Yeah, no, that, that, that's key that you, you do get away a little because, I mean, my, my, most of my joking is, is about my special needs son and my family. That's, that's, that's yeah. what I joke about. It, it's kind of tough. Um, it's either, you know, it, it's either, uh, Donald said it to me one time after, after one of my uh, sets at Caroline's because um, he knows some of, my, some, of my do- some of my jokes are very dark and they're very deep and they're very personal. And I can joke yeah. about them. I can joke about what my son goes through because I live through it. And uh, he came up to me and he was shaking his head and he was just like, man, he goes, they have to love you to be able to laugh at those jokes. Because if anybody else was telling a joke about, you know, a child having a seizure, it, it would be a rough joke unless it was a, maybe a Jesselnik. But I'm joking about it in a yeah. way that this is my way of getting through my day is by joking about it. So it's, it's personal. And another thing too, that, that's very important too, uh, it's, it's therapy. When we're up there, yes, yeah. we're up there to make the audience laugh but i realized i was talking to another good friend of mine a great comedian a marshall brandon um and we were having a very very deep talk about life and he had went through something very very personal and he didn't get on stage for i think like a month or two and he said when he finally did get back up on stage he realized that's he should have been there all along that that's where he needed to be it's not, yes, it's about making yeah. people come out and forget about their lives for a short time and making them laugh. But what you get back from that is that that's some of the most unbelievable therapy you can ever get. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's exactly why people do it. You know, people live in comedians live in squalor, but still get up on stage because it gives them, I don't know, whatever it gives them, you know, that reaction from the audience is, it's hard to pinpoint and explain exactly what that feeling is like, but it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a drug of some form for sure. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But, well, Andy, I I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat. I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's gone all kinds of ways. and uh, I, yeah, I just really appreciate you taking the time. It's been a super fun conversation. Uh, again, truly my honor. I'm, I'm grateful for stuff like this. I, I just hope that uh, we can make somebody smile or make somebody laugh or teach somebody something. That's, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. And stay, uh, you know, stay safe out there. And uh, yeah, best to your family and everybody. Same to you. And uh, as I always end, just with uh, peace, love, and laughter. <laughs>